0: I want to thank you as well for being here. If you're new to our church, I'm Ricky. I'm honored to be the lead pastor here at Fort Caroline. And it's good to have those folks who are connecting with us today for the first time or maybe for the first time in a long time. It's good to see Pastor Jeremy and his wife and friends here. We welcome you guys to Fort Caroline today. And uh, thank you for joining us. And you've picked a special day to be with us because we're observing the Lord's Supper communion. You know, there's just something important about remembering important events there's some things you just should never forget. In fact, this year, September the 11th, 2021, we, we remembered the 20th anniversary of the terrorist attacks on our nation. In fact, people all over America stopped and remembered. There were times of remembrance at Ground Zero in New York City, at the Pentagon in Washington, D.C., and in a field in Pennsylvania. And it's important that we remember In fact, one of the slogans that came out of September the 11th or even Pearl Harbor for a different generation is, we will never forget. Well, what we're going to do today is a way of remembering. In fact, what we're going to do today can be traced back over 3,000 years. And I'm going to take you today and help you to understand how that the Lord's Supper is connected to the Passover that the Jewish people celebrated because of how God redeemed them from 400 years of Egyptian bondage and slavery. And in fact, I want to encourage you now, if you want to, take your Bible and turn to Exodus chapter 12. And today we're, we're looking at the Passover and how Christ is our Passover. You see, we often think about the Lord's Supper when Jesus instituted it on that night before he was betrayed and arrested and eventually was crucified. That he was instituting something new. And He was. But it was also in the midst of him celebrating the Passover meal with his disciples. And We must remember that these are connected. And so as we go to Exodus chapter 12, beginning with verse 1, this is what we read. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons. According to what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. Look at verse 5. Your lamb shall be without blemish a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now look down to Exodus chapter 12, verse 21. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and select lambs for yourselves according to your clans and kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop. That was a a leafy branch. Take a bunch of hyssop. And will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you. You shall observe this rite as a statute for you and for your sons forever. And when you come to the land that the Lord will give you as he has promised, you shall keep this service. And when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover For he passed over the houses of the people of Israel and Egypt when he struck the Egyptians, but spared our houses. And the people bowed their heads and worshipped. Then the people of Israel went out and did so. As the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. You fast forward 1,450 years, you'll find yourself in an upper room with Jesus. And his disciples. Jesus knows the shadow of the cross has already fallen over him. He knows what lies ahead of him. But he also knows this is the Father's will. Where he is going to become the, not a, the Passover lamb. The one who would sacrifice himself for us. So that the judgment of God for our sin would pass over us and fall on him. Listen to his words in Matthew chapter 26, beginning with verse 26. I'll put the words on the screen as well. It says, now as they were eating, not just a regular meal, this was the Passover meal. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. May God bless the reading of his holy word. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, would you speak to our hearts today? And for those of us who know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, for those of us who are trusting in his finished work on the cross of Calvary, for the forgiveness of our sin and the gift of eternal life, make us more aware and make us more grateful make us more thankful for the sacrifice that he made for us and for our freedom from sin. Bless our time today as we prepare to partake together of the Lord's Supper. And God, if there is someone here in this room or someone watching today who's never trusted Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, I pray that today would be the day of salvation for them. That they would recognize they can't work their way into your good graces. They can't earn it. They can't give enough money. But they can put their faith in Jesus, the Lord and Savior, the Lamb of God who paid the price for their forgiveness. And it's a free gift. I pray that today they will trust him and receive this gift of forgiveness and eternal life. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. That night whenever Jesus took that cup, and he says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Drink from it, all of you. It was actually the third cup of the Passover meal. Even today, as Jews gather at Passover and they celebrate the redemption that God gave the Hebrew people from Egyptian bondage, there are four cups. Most times, it's not four individual cups. It's one cup of wine lifted four times throughout the meal where they remember what God has done. As a matter of fact, cup number one is the cup of sanctification. It's the cup of sanctification where they lift a cup and they remember the words of Exodus chapter 6, verse 6. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, I will, here's the phrase, I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. It was the cup of sanctification, that first cup that they would lift in gratitude to God for his promise. I am the Lord. I am the one true God, the covenant-keeping God, and I will bring you out. You will be a separated people unto myself, separated out of Egypt, separated out of slavery, separated out of sin, and sanctified for my own special use and glory." By the way, dear friend, we need to be reminded from time to time, don't we? That salvation involves sanctification. Where God saves us and he sets us apart unto himself to be a holy people, a chosen people, a special and unique people. And the people of Israel were commanded to always remember that it was the Lord who brought them out. Not themselves, but it was the Lord himself. The second cup was the cup of deliverance. There again, Exodus chapter 6, verse 6, God continued in his promise, not only will I bring you out from under the burden of the Egyptians, he also said, and I will deliver you from slavery to them. There's the phrase, I will deliver. That second cup they would lift in the supper was the cup of deliverance where God is saying, I'm going to take you out from under the Egyptian Cruel slavery and oppression. I'm going to deliver you. I'm coming in on a rescue mission for you. And that Passover supper reminded them of the deliverance of God out of Egyptian slavery. In fact, in Exodus chapter 12 verses 26 and 27, remember they were commanded to keep this service of the Passover even when they entered into the new promised land that God had given them and that Generations later, when their children ask them, why are we having this service? And when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. For he passed over the houses of the people of Israel and Egypt when he struck the Egyptians but spared our houses. And it says the people bowed their heads and they worshiped. They thanked God for their deliverance. And I tell you, I don't know who you are and where you come from or if this is your church or not, but if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you have any spiritual discernment whatsoever of the deliverance that he has provided for you from the bondage of sin and from the penalty of sin and the condemnation of sin, you won't have any trouble worshiping him and lifting up the cup of deliverance, saying, God, thank you for what you've done for me. But it was that third cup that gave the Jewish people and us, the means of that deliverance, the means of that being brought out. How was God going to accomplish it? And the third cup was the cup of redemption. The cup of redemption. This was the cup that Jesus lifted. This is the cup that Jesus reminded them was the cup of His blood of the new covenant. There again, in Exodus chapter 6, verse 6, God continued that He will not only bring them out and deliver them, But he said, and I will redeem you. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. To redeem means to pay the price for freedom. To redeem says, I pay the price and now that is mine. And God says, I'm going to pay the price and claim you as myself. I'm going to pay the price for your forgiveness. Forgiveness is free to you. But it's costly to God. In Exodus chapter 12 verse 23 we read these words. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts. The Lord will pass over the door. And will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you. God was allowing a substitute to be sacrificed for his people He was letting the judgment of God fall on a substitute rather than sinners. And when the judgment of God passed over Egypt, and God's angel of death saw the blood of that sacrificial, spotless lamb or goat on the doorpost and on the lintel of the home. Judgment passed over that home. Spared that home because of a sacrifice. And not just because of a sacrifice, but because of the faith of that family in that sacrifice. And little did they realize then that there is something greater going on than just Hebrew people being rescued out of Egyptian bondage. God was paving the way for His Messiah to one day come who would be the ultimate sacrifice, the final sacrifice the fulfillment of everything that this sacrifice and these sacrifices foreshadowed that is why we read the apostle paul saying in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verses 25 and 26 in the same way also after supper he took the cup saying this is jesus saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me jesus was our sacrifice he was the payment For our freedom from sin, Paul says, For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. He became the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It's the cup of redemption that Jesus lifted on that night with his disciples when he instituted the Lord's Supper. And what was God trying to say to the Hebrew people Through the Passover, and what is he trying to say to us through the Lord's Supper and the Passover? Well, there's a lot, but with our short time, let me just give you two thoughts here. First of all, God's trying to reveal to us the seriousness of sin. I know that's not politically correct. Not politically correct to talk about sin. Sin is what you do to me, it's not anything I do. Sin is not serious anymore. But the sacrifice, the blood, which represents the life of a lamb or a goat or in our case in Jesus, represented how serious sin is. We know that this Passover, this last plague is the tenth of nine plagues that God has already judged Egypt with. And God is judging the Egyptian empire and Pharaoh because of how he has oppressed God's people. And God is being true to his promise to Abraham that whoever blesses you, I will bless. Whoever curses you, I will curse. And God is keeping his word. But rather than humbling himself before God and repenting, Pharaoh hardens his heart. Pharaoh says, I may let you go. I'm not going to let you go. I will let you go. Never mind. I've changed my mind. He's hardening his heart against God. And God is trying to say to him, there's only one true God. And every one of those plagues that God sent to Egypt was a reminder that there's only one true God and he's greater than all the gods of Egypt. Whether it be a plague of the skies or the earth, frogs or flies, God is greater. And he was judging the Egyptians, trying to bring them to repentance, but they refused. And this last plague Where the firstborn of every home would be judged is the final plague to show the seriousness of sin. You see, I think we have forgotten that there is one true living God. And he is holy. And he is righteous. And he is mighty. He is God. And I'm not. And one day I will stand before him The Bible says, it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. I remember whenever Winston Yingling, Y-I-N-G-L-I-N-G, in case you're saying, how do you spell that? Winston Yingling asked me a question on the last night of vacation Bible school when I was 12 years old. Ricky, if you were to stand before a holy God, and he asked you, why should I let you into my holy heaven? what would you say? And I said, I don't know. I try to be good. I try to be nice to other people. He said, well, first of all, you do know the answer. And that answer is the wrong one. You can't be good enough. Have you ever sinned? Yes, sir, I have. Well, then you can't do anything about yesterday. You're a sinner. If you could live perfectly from this day forward, you still got your sins to deal with. And the Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And he quoted uh, Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. He says, but Ricky, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus died for you. Jesus took your punishment on the cross of Calvary. He took everything you deserved when he died for you on the cross. And he rose from the dead. And Winston said, and if you want to know the right answer, if God the Father asks you, why should I let you into my heaven? The right answer is because I placed my faith in Jesus, who was my substitute my sacrifice, my Savior. And that following Sunday night, I did do just that. I trusted Jesus as my Lord and my Savior because I came to realize the seriousness of sin. But who is this danger for? Is it just the Egyptians? Because that's who we think. You know, in our little Sunday school minds, we think that really the danger of this moment in history in Egypt was just for the Egyptians. You know, we picture Pharaoh as the bad cowboy wearing the black cowboy hat, and Israel is the good cowboy, you know, wearing the white cowboy hat. It's not true. The Bible says, for all have sinned. The Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. And if even the Hebrew people had not obeyed God and put their faith in his word, the judgment of God against sin would have fallen on them too. doesn't matter who you are. You don't have a leg up on anybody else. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. You need Jesus just as much as everybody else. I don't care how religious you are. I don't care if you're white or black, Republican or Democrat or Independent or you don't even know what that means. Without Jesus, you're lost. We need to be reminded of the seriousness of sin. I remember having to speak to someone many years ago because she was not a staff member, but she was a volunteer in a key ministry of our church And on a Sunday morning, her husband came up to me and he says, you know where my wife is, don't you? And I said, no. He said, well, she wasn't at home with me. She'll be getting out of bed with her lover and coming here. And I said, really? So she came to church that morning and I pulled her aside. I said, I need to ask you a question. Is everything okay between you and your husband? No, I'm leaving him. Where did you just come from? I just came from so-and-so's house. And I said, well, that's, that's something we need to talk about after today. But I really don't need you leading today. I think you probably ought to just sit and listen and let God speak to you. Because what you're doing is wrong. And this is, these were her words. God wants me to be happy. Which God? The God who judges sin. No, he wants you to be holy. He wants you to be holy. And so even the Jewish people needed to recognize the seriousness of sin. But God was also saying to them something else. The Passover re- meal reminds them and us about the salvation of our Lord. The salvation of our Lord. Do you remember in Chronicles of Narnia? Remember that lion, the witch, in the wardrobe? Aslan the lion is, is actually... A picture of Christ. I don't know if you know that. Go back and watch the movie now. It's a pic- he's a picture of Christ, and C.S. Lewis wrote him that way. And if you remember, there's this there's this interchange between the children and uh, Mr. Beaver. And one of the girls, Susan, says, "Oh, I didn't know I'd be meeting a lion. I thought he was just a man. He's a lion. Is he safe?" And Mr. Beaver says, safe? Who said anything about safe? No, he's not safe. But he's good. He's the king, I tell you. Can I tell you, our God is not safe. And when you domesticate God and when you neglect him and when you treat him like a commodity commodity that can be used and then placed on the shelf, you have forgotten who he really is. He is not safe. He is holy. He's righteous and he will judge sin, but he's good. He's the king and he paid the price for our forgiveness through a sacrifice so that he could be both holy and righteous and loving and forgiving at the same time. So the truth for us today is Christ is our Passover. By his own sacrifice for sin. Don't you remember whenever Jesus was coming to John at the River Jordan? John chapter 1 verse 29. John, it says the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold! The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Don't you remember later as an old man, the Apostle Peter, one of Jesus' own original disciples, wrote a letter and he reminded us in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18, knowing that you were not ransomed, you weren't redeemed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish. Or without spot, it was the cup of redemption that says if I'm saved, it's because of what he did for me, not what I can do for him. And I've placed my faith in him as my Lord and my Savior. That is the cup of redemption that we will lift today. The bread will symbolize the body of Jesus' sacrificed for us on the cross. Not as a victim, but as a volunteer. Jesus went willingly to the cross of Calvary. And the cup. Reminds us we've been redeemed with nothing less than the blood of Jesus. Nothing less. By the way, there was a fourth cup. I I forgot to mention that, didn't I? I told you there were four. We've only talked about three. The fourth one is the cup of praise. The cup of praise. Go back to Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 or verses 7 and 8. God says, Exodus 6, verse 7, I will take you to be my people and I will be your God and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give Abraham to Isaac and to Jacob and I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. God says this is a new beginning. You get to start over again. You can have a fresh beginning And that was not only true for the Hebrew people where they could eventually go into the promised land. It's true for you today as well. No matter what your past is, no matter how hard things have been, no matter how sinful you've been, through Jesus you can give praise that he gives you a new beginning. He gives you a new fresh start. He gives you a do-over day. He gives you a new life because of your faith in him. For all who follow him. He leads you into a promised land. By the way, that's not only spiritual, it's also going to be physical one day. Yesterday I stood before two different families. No, Friday I stood before two different families. Yesterday I stood before one family. Three different funerals. But thank God all three of the deceased were believers. And I was able to remind them this is not the end. Jesus taught us to pray, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Sin will not have the last word over you and over me, or over this world, or over this universe. Jesus didn't just die for our sin. He died to redeem everything that sin has tainted. And one day, He's going to come back again. He's going to give us new heavens, and new earth, and new body. And we get to spend eternity praising Him in His kingdom. That's why Jesus said in that upper room, Matthew 26, verses 26 and following, it says, now as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after he blessed it, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine. Until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. The blessed hope of the Christian is not just that we die and go to heaven, but it's the day that Christ comes back and heaven comes to earth. And we get to spend eternity in the kingdom, the promised land. The last book of my Bible tells me on that day there will be no more sorrow, no more pain, no more crying, no more death. For the former things will have passed away. That is the cup of praise. And what we get to do down here is just a little foretaste of glory divine. Where we worship God and praise him. But we can't fathom what it's going to be like to praise him in the kingdom. With our Lord and Savior. When he lifts that cup at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And we celebrate with Him. Until then, we do what we do to remember Him. There's so much more I wanted to say. And I, I just want to lead us in prayer now as we prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper. Your heads bowed, your eyes closed. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this holy moment. Thank you for reminding us of the significance of the Lord's Supper. How it is predicated upon the Passover accomplished by your grace and your might and your power and how it was a foreshadowing of our soul's salvation so father we pray that right now in this moment you would prepare our hearts to understand the price that you paid so that we could be forgiven of our sin the body of christ god in flesh dying as a man for men but also as the God-man paying an infinite price for our sins. We thank you. And he shed his blood. He gave his very life for our redemption. We thank you and praise you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Today, if you'll take that communion element, if you don't have that with you here, you can go to the back and there's a basket there with these in them. We're going to start with the bread. If you're at home, take what you have at home, uh, bread and juice or whatever you have, and join us together as we observe the Lord's Supper. I want you to hear these familiar words in a new way today. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23 Paul wrote, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks. Let's pray and give God thanks. God, thank you for this bread. But most of all, thank you for Jesus, the bread of life. We pray that you would take this and remind us today. It should have been us on that cross, but we have a substitute. We have a sacrifice. The Lamb of God went to our cross, took our punishment. Thank you for that. We praise you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus said, take, eat, for this is my body. The Apostle Paul continued. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, so let's give thanks for the cup that reminds us of the blood of Jesus. God, we lift up this cup, the cup of redemption, the blood of Jesus, and we thank you for what it reminds us of that we have not been redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus as of a lamb without blemish. And without spot. Thank you that He gave His life for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jesus says, This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Drink from it, all of you. Have you ever trusted Jesus as your Savior? Church membership won't do it. I didn't ask you if you're a Baptist or a Catholic or a Presbyterian. I didn't tell you that this saves you, it won't. It's just bread and juice. There's only one who can save you from your sin. There's only one who can make you right with a holy and righteous God. His name is Jesus. You've heard about him today. There's nothing more you need to know. You know you're a sinner, but you also know he loves sinners and he gave his life for you. He rose from the dead to let you know that he can do what he said he can do. He said he can forgive you. He said he can give you the gift of eternal life. He said he can bring you into the family of God. How do you know it's true? Because if he can walk out of a grave alive, he can do anything and he did just that. Put your trust in him today. I want to lead us in our closing prayer, and if you would like to trust Christ or if you want to know more about that, I'm going to be right here at the front at the end of this service. It would be my honor to answer your questions or to help you take that next step, but listen, you don't even need me. You can do it right where you are. You can do it while you're watching television. Right now, you can do business with God, so let's pray, and let's do that. Heavenly Father, That's right. If you want to trust Christ as your Savior, talk to him right now, wherever you are. You can talk to him silently, and he'll hear you. You can talk to him out loud. He'll hear you. Dear God, I admit to you, I'm a sinner. I know I've not lived up to your standards. I don't even live up to my own. But I thank you for loving me anyway. I believe Jesus is your son. You sent into the world to be my redeemer, my rescuer, my Savior. He did for me what I couldn't do for myself. He paid the price. He paid a debt he didn't owe because I owed a debt I just couldn't pay. But I thank you for Jesus dying for me on the cross, shedding his blood, giving his life. And in this moment, I believe he rose from the dead. So I ask him, forgive me of my sin. I put my trust in you, Jesus. I stake my eternal destiny on you. And I take you at your word where you said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Today, Jesus, I believe, I believe. Thank you for saving me. Help me to now know more about you, to learn more about you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you made that decision, let me know. I wanna celebrate with you. God bless you guys. Thank you for being in God's house today. I'll be here at the front if you need me.